Today in the Journey, from Pastor Steve DeWitt. Imagine spending your life accumulating things that in the end you don't get to keep. I mean, that sounds really silly, doesn't it? And Jesus says, you don't get to keep anything. All of it is passing away. And when we die, as the old saying goes, you never see a a hearse uh, hauling a U-Haul, right? Never. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor and Bible Teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus conveyed that serving two masters is impossible. You will either hate the one and love the other, or vice versa. It's an absolute. No one can dedicate themselves to both God and material wealth. Today in The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares a thought-provoking lesson on money from the book of Matthew. It's titled, On Mission with My Money. And you can listen online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve. So today, we are going to bring God's Word to bear on one clear indication of where our hearts really are at, of our, the, the actual spirituality, consecration, sanctification. There's big words there. How do you know if you love Jesus or not? There's an easy way to say it, Okay. How do you know? And uh, Jesus himself gives us one objective, clear indicator of what we really value. And our text is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. This is a long teaching section. In your Bibles, if you've got the red letter edition like mine is, it's all red. And the reason it's all read is that this is the Sermon on the Mount. Starts in chapter 5, goes all the way to chapter 7. Famous teaching of Jesus. People the world over quote it. Politicians quote Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Out of context, I might add, but uh, they do love to quote it. And uh, in this section of Scripture, Jesus is going to say some things that would have shocked the people that were listening See if it shocks you today. Here's what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the people that had gathered there, Jesus is on a a mountain, a large hill probably in our vernacular, although in Indiana we probably call it a mountain. Uh, And the people have gathered there for him to, to hear what he has to say. And it's almost in this whole section, it's almost like Jesus is playing the opposite game. Have you ever played the opposite game? where you you have fun with people and you mean the opposite of what you're saying. It's like sarcasm to the max. Uh, But it's kind of fun if they know that you mean the opposite of what you're actually saying. So you can say your hair looks horrible, uh, but you mean, of course, your hair looks beautiful. Or this food is raunchy and terrible, but you're saying it's succulent and luscious. It's It's the opposite game. Play it later. Anyway, it's like Jesus is playing the opposite game because he is saying here the opposite of what they had always been told. 
In that culture, there was an understanding as it relates to material possessions and resources that the more that you have, it was a sign of God's favor in your life. And so people would go around and they would see people, rich people, and they would think to themselves, ah, God's favor is upon them. They must be right with God. How do I know? Because they have so much stuff. And Jesus, over and over and over again, pounds against that materialistic mindset, famously, for example, saying, you know, it's hard for the rich to be saved. And do you remember the disciples going, what? He says, yeah, I would compare it. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And the disciples' response is, well, then who can be saved? If the rich can't be saved, then we're all going to hell because riches are a sign of God's favor. They had been told that all their life. That's what the religious leaders had taught them. And yet Jesus comes along here and he says the opposite. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Don't do it. Now, for us, this is maybe not... I don't know if it's shocking, but it's certainly un-American, don't you think? I mean, the, the American dream is materialistic. It is about laying up treasures on earth. And Jesus is not playing an opposite game. He is playing the truth game, and he is saying, don't do that. Do not lay up treasures on earth. Now we can say, well, Jesus, that's, uh, why not? Why not live for things? And he points out here now a couple reasons that this is a very foolish way to live. The first thing he says is that every material, financial, asset, resource that I have and try to keep, I have to give it up. It is fleeting. It is fleeting. Notice how he says it flees. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus has some financial advice here. It's as relevant today as ever. He says, realize, friends, the things that you are living for and killing yourself at the office for and spending so much time and effort trying to accumulate, they are all in a perpetual state of depreciation. The moth comes and eats it up. And that's a statement regarding the way that clothing was one of the assets of that day, and they would pile up their clothing, but the moth can come and eat the clothing, and then what happens to the value of the clothing with a great big hole in it, right? The moth eats it up. It's gone. Rust comes and destroys it. Everything that we have is in a state of declension. And he goes he goes beyond that to talk about how thieves can break in and steal. Everything is going down. It's all risky. It's all fleeting. And if it's not being stolen, my perspective on it can change. I remember, for example, when, do you remember when the first iPhones came out? You're not that old. The first iPhones came out. And when they came out, it was like, I mean, it was like this, almost like a whole new category of, technology, and frankly, coolness. And when they first came out, if you didn't have an Apple store nearby, you know, you saw it on the news, but you never actually saw one live. And then, you know, a coworker or somebody gets it and you're like, can I, can, can, can I hold that a second, you know? And you look at it, it's so sleek, it's so, it's like gleaming, you know, it's so wonderful. Maybe you went out and bought one, okay? Say you bought an iPhone 4. 
And for those first days, you thought you were the coolest guy in the block, didn't you? Because you had this thing with panache, the iPhone 4. Until the iPhone 5 came out, right? Now, 24 hours before the iPhone 5 came out, you looked at that phone and you said, you know what? This is cool, and because I own it, I'm cool. 24 hours later, when they announced the iPhone 5, you looked at that same phone, and what did you say? This is a piece of junk. I can't believe I've got this phone. i got to get the 5 if I'm going to keep cool, right? What changed? Did the phone change? phone didn't change. My perspective on it did, didn't it? And Jesus, just in a one simple statement, indicts the entire approach to life so often lived by people in a world that is passing away, the Bible says. And all the things we have and accumulate and the, and the, and the, the, the money in the bank account and the money in the stock market and the pension fund and the cool investment car and the house and all the things that people running and striving for, all of it is so risky, right? It is declining, it is depreciating, it is fleeing. To live for things that are in a perpetual state of risk and depreciation, that would be really short-sighted, wouldn't it? This is the point of the parable that Jesus told of the rich man, the foolish rich man. He says, there once was a man, he was a farmer, and one year there was this incredible bumper crop. For whatever reason, every th- field that he had had its greatest put out ever, and so they, he, he suddenly had this windfall of money, and he says, in the parable, he says, you know what the man thought to himself? What am I going to do with all my money? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to take life at ease. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to, I'm going to be merry. And it's going to be fantastic. And Jesus tells the parable, that very night he died. And God says to him, now what will come of all the things that you have accumulated? And he is pointing out the ultimate reason that this is a very foolish way to live is that all of us are going to die. And when we die, what do we get to keep of all the things that we've accumulated? Nothing, right? Imagine spending your life accumulating things that in the end you don't get to keep. Who do that? I mean, that sounds really silly, doesn't it? And Jesus says, you don't get to keep anything. All of it is passing away. And when we die, as the old saying goes, you never see a a hearse uh, hauling a U-Haul, right? Never. We all die and we pass into the next life with nothing. Nothing at all. Laying up treasures on earth. We could spend a little time talking about what that lifestyle would look like. I'd like to take a stab at it. What if somebody said, ah, Jesus, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Tony Robbins is really the guy I'm following, so I'm going to go for it. What would that lifestyle look like? How about this? Meaning and happiness would be generally derived from how things are going in my life financially. Everything in my life would be monetized and prioritized based on whether it gets me to my financial goal or not. People who get me there, I love them. People that get in the way of me getting there, I hate them. 
Since self-worth is financial, not only do I want more, I resent anyone who has more than me. Family is inconvenient. Children are liabilities. And don't even talk to me about the church building program. And this is why I think we have to realize that Jesus isn't here onerously saying to us, all right, I know it's great to have, but my goal here is to annoy you and to make it hard on you. He is wanting to free us from the bondage and the emptiness of living for things. That is an, that is an idol. And idols are cruel taskmasters. And maybe you're here today, and your whole life has been all about accumulating things. You're like the man I described here. Everything's monetized in your life. And yet you are empty, and you're wondering, why do I feel the way that I do? You're not made to live for things and money and bank accounts. You are made in the image of God. You are made for something far greater and beyond this. And Jesus is doing us a favor by pointing out the futility of living for things. Do not lay up treasures on earth. Don't do it. Now the other thing that he says here is that every material financial resource that I give is mine forever. Now, that sounds a little bit like an oxymoron. What I keep, I give up, but what I give, I keep. But that's exactly what he is saying here. He says, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And he goes on in the passage to talk about the central issue that keeps most of us from living a generous life, and that is trust. He goes on to talk about the lilies and the sparrows. They're not harvesting or they're not planting and harvesting. They're not worrying about what they're going to wear, and yet God meets the need of the sparrow. And who has ever seen anyone clothed as beautifully as the lily in the field? And Jesus says, you are worth more than sparrows and more than lilies, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Do not be anxious about these things. Maybe you walked in here today, your worry ward about this, that, or the other, and it's just dominating your life. Jesus wants to free you from that. But to free us from it, we have to kill the idol that creates it. And that idol is the sense of security that my possessions and my things can seemingly give me, even though it is a mirage. This frees us in verse 33 to seek first the kingdom of God. So there's something not to do and there's something to do. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. Now, what are those treasures? What's he talking about there? Is that like monopoly money or something? Heavenly monopoly money? What kind of treasure is Jesus promising? Well, throughout the scriptures, this is taught all over the place, that there are treasures and rewards that God will give to those who serve him. Here's my definition, eternal treasure. These are God's rewards to us individually, individually, for our faithful service and sacrificial giving to him. And it certainly goes beyond money. This goes to my heart, my time, my, my gifts that I give to the Lord and all of that. But the reason that Jesus says this regarding money is he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you hear that, everyone? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Jesus is saying here that money is spiritual. That money that you have in your billfold right now, that money that you have there, that is as spiritual, if not more spiritual, specifically what you do with it than reading the Bible, than evangelizing, than praying, than gathering for worship, and any other number of things that you can say. He indexes our hearts to where our treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your heart is, your treasure will be as well. They always flow together. And here is why we have this wonderful objective indicator of where our hearts are actually at. I can't see my heart, right? I can't see it. But I can see my pocketbook and I can see my checkbook. And Jesus is saying, if you want to know what you really love, where your heart is really at, look at where you invest your money. Look at where you spend your money. Look at where you give your money so freely, so effortlessly. Our money flows towards what our hearts love. It seems to me that in, in this culture, when Jesus was speaking there, the struggle that they had was they wanted to see finances as an indicator of faith, okay, or favor from God. The more that you had, the more favor that you had from God, those two always went together, therefore the rich are going to heaven. What we struggle with in our culture, it seems to me, is that we want to separate our faith from our finances. We don't want to see a connection between those two. So that I want to be able to look in the mirror and to see myself as being, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a, I'm a godly man. And I love the Lord. And I am going to church regularly. And I sing with volume. I read my Bible every day. Pray the Lord's Prayer in the morning. I am a godly, I'm way better than most people I know. I am a, I am a godly person. But I, I, in terms of like money and all that, that's kind of like my thing. We want to separate those two. And what Jesus says is you cannot separate those two. Our finances, our money, and our faith, and our treasure, and our hearts, they always, always go together. And this is why whenever you talk about this subject, it smokes out the pretenders in the church. Larry Osborne's a pastor in California. He writes about this in his book. He says uh, he had an experience in his church where there was a guy, he was complaining about everything. Everything was a hill to die on, and he was so about doctrine, and he was so about this and so about that. And uh, finally, he got upset about something in the church, and he fired off a letter to the church office, and he said, I demand that you give back to me every dollar I've ever given to this place. Well, they did a little looking into it, and they wrote him back a letter, and the letter said, Dear sir, we will be happy to give you back every dollar you've ever given to us, and if we ever find one, we'll be sure to give it to you. <laughs> it smokes out the pretenders. I'm a godly person, I'm a great man, but what are you doing with your money, my dear friend? And what does that indicate about what you really love? It's like, the, it's like a butterfly, Jesus saying here, your, 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 your faith... I'm sorry, your, your heart and your treasure, okay? It's like the two wings of a butterfly. There it is like that. You wanna see it on the screen? There it is on the screen, okay. <laughs> Flying around, you, you, never see, you never see this. You never see the one, a one-winged butterfly, do you? They're all, they always go together. And that is what Jesus is saying. What we really love and where we put our money are always going together. 
Was this not the point of the widow and her two mites? Do you remember the story? It's in Luke chapter 21. If you're interested in reading it letter, Jesus was at the temple. And he's there, and here comes all of these people, and they're giving their gifts at the temple. And the way they used to give in that day, they had a box in front of the temple, and the people would come. And this is before you could give online. All right, 2,000 years ago, there was no online giving at the temple in Jerusalem. And so they would have to bring their, their gifts with them. And so they would come and they would drop their bags of coinage in the box. And so the rich would come and they would drop their, their coinage in. And you can hear it, can't you? And here comes the bag number one. Boom, it goes in the box. And people are like, oh, whoa, that sounded kind of loud. That must have been a big gift. And here comes another guy, boom, it goes. And people are like, whoa, that dude gave a lot. Then here comes this widow, okay? Here she comes, she's, you know. She comes up and, and, and it says that she has two mites. This is less than one cent, two little coins. And Jesus says, hey, you guys, get over here. The disciples, over they come. He says, did you see that? Did you see what she just gave? And they're like, uh, yes, Jesus, we did. We would value it at roughly two mites. And Jesus says, she gave more than anybody else. And they go, uh, no, Jesus, I think your math is off. Did you not hear the guy before her, the big boom? I mean, that was really, we were all amazed at that. He says, no, no, no. They gave out of their abundance. She gave everything she had. And that widow impressed the Lord. And we see then in the math of God and the scale of God that we are not measured by the booms necessarily, but we're measured in terms of what we can do. And God knows our hearts. He knows everything that we have. He gave us everything we have in the first place. And it seems to me that as I've talked over the years about money, I have, there are generally two kinds of responses whenever I say, we're talking about money today. There are people who are upset about it, and then there are people that are humbled by it. I can talk about almost anything else here. I can get up and say, you know what, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about sin today. We're talking about atonement today. We're talking about marriage today. We're talking about this, that, and the other today. People go, oh, that's really good. I'm glad you spoke on that today. When I say we're talking about money, it's like silence in the room. In fact, listen carefully right now. People weird out whenever God's word is opened on the subject of money. And I have to conclude the reason for that is that we love it so much. In fact, think of the emotions that you're experiencing right now inside of you. And what might those feelings that you're having as I talk about this indicate about where your heart is actually at? You're listening to The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt and a challenging message titled, On Mission With My Money. If you tuned in late today, you'll find this message and others from our generosity series online at thejourney.fm. Just look for the tab labeled Current Series. Well, as believers, we're considered sojourners in this world as we journey through life. Our ultimate destination isn't merely a location, but rather a profound relationship with Jesus Christ, who lights our path and imparts purpose to each step we take. That's why every day on The Journey, we extend the message of the gospel to our listeners through both radio and the web, enabling them to nurture their connection with Jesus Christ. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The Journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends like you, 
which allow us to share the truth of the gospel to listeners all around the world. So would you make a generous year-end donation today? Your gift of any amount will make a big impact. The number to call is 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or make a quick and easy donation online at thejourney.fm. And when you do, we'll say thanks by sending you an encouraging book by best-selling author Randy Elkhorn. It's titled The Treasure Principle. It's a helpful and practical guide that will teach you how to steward God's resources well, live generously, and in doing so, find great joy in your everyday life. You can request your copy today when you call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit our website, thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve continues today's message titled, On Mission with My Money. That's Tuesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.